whenever we want to make these sort of changes like this, generally it is some form of not good enough or worthiness. And so it's truly like getting down to that and understanding like what that actually is. Welcome, Olivia Park. Hi. <laughs> Mate, it's been a very, very long time. Mate. It has been a long time and uh, so much has happened since we met and those days at CrossFit HPU in Auckland. Yeah, mate, you've been jet sitting across the world. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I actually, I think that I, when you and I met, I had just recently made my transition into being a fitness professional um, from working in publishing um, and was competing in bodybuilding and then CrossFit and then started my personal training business and then moved to Taiwan and now living in South Korea. So it's definitely been a journey. South Korea. I thought you were still in Taiwan. Okay, cool. So you're in South <laughs> Korea right now. How's yeah. the weather like in South Korea? <laughs> um, well, we're coming into spring. So after a very wintry, snowy, cold winter, um, where the temperature gets to like minus 20, which is just crazy. It's like, how do you even live in that kind of weather? Yeah, it's weird. But luckily oh. over here, like floors are heated and we're set up for it. So it's it's cool, but it's it's perfect weather um, now. Yeah, I can imagine the South Koreans would do it pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Comparative to us. Yeah. So mate, let's tell everyone what you do because uh, you've kind of transitioned a wee bit. Now I'm really fascinated in the digital stuff because I never made that transition. I was always on the floor coach, uh, person to person. So tell us what you do. Yeah, so I'm a female health and performance coach um, and I work with women primarily um, to help them kind of bridge the gap from sort of all or nothing with like the shoulds of the industry, um, whether that comes to how they're thinking, nutrition, training, into coming into more of a place of autonomy. But I think that one of the biggest things is that when we talk about um, kind of like all or nothing that we forget that for women especially that we can still have like performance goals and still like want to get after training and like doing big things but we can also rest hard as well and so it's really about this kind of bridging the gap of like going hard doing things but also resting hard so that we can do hard things um, and so yeah like you said like I was a, an in-person coach for many years um, and also a CrossFit coach. And when we moved to Taiwan, uh, probably about six years ago now, I that was really challenging starting, setting up my personal training business there. I was really lucky with some of the things that um, came up for me. So I was actually able to do that in a country where I don't speak the language. Um, and then about two years ago, we moved to South Korea. Uh, my husband is a journalist, but about four years ago, I sort of uh, made a transition where I was more of a hybrid coach. So still in person, uh, one-on-one -on -one and also small group and with uh, CrossFit as well, but then also coaching online and doing nutrition and stuff like that as well. Um, and then when we moved to South Korea, as you know, setting up a personal training business um, in person is, you know, takes a long time. Um, and so I just made that move to go completely online, which was, you know, really good timing considering what happened last year. Um, and so now I am completely online um, working with people one-on-one. -on -one. I also have a group program, 
like a strength and conditioning program for um, women. And that is really a lot of that is focused around the stuff that I just kind of talked about. And I do a lot of like female phase training as well. So working with menstrual cycle and stuff. Um, I also uh, am part of a podcast and I teach the female health and performance course, which is uh, run by Nadia Norman. Um, So I do that as well. Holy (laughs) hecka. That was pretty good, buddy. I'm going to go back to something you said because I want to unpack it. We were kind of talking about it just before we jumped on. Let's talk about autonomy, autonomy, uh, intuition, autonomy, agency. These are these are important words, man, really important words. So what does autonomy look like to you? Yeah, so honestly, it is freeing yourself from all of the shoulds. Um, and I was just talking to a client about this before that, you know, even if we take nutrition, for example, you know, we know that there are no good foods, there are no bad foods. I mean, there is more nutritious foods, there are more calorie dense foods, but neither of those are good or bad. And when we have autonomy with nutrition, it means that we're never coming to a, you know, we're never making decisions from, I should be eating this, or I should be eating this broccoli, because that's what I've told has been good for me. It's like, do you like it? Do you not like it? Um, and does it make you feel well or not well? Um, and it, so it's kind of like having this decision making around food and exercise and, you know, what you're kind of doing with your life, what your schedule looks like, boundary setting, you know, all of these kind of things. Um, but like we were talking about, you know, we, we are so conditioned. We are so conditioned by society, you know, saying, what we should be doing or the have tos and stuff like that. Um, And a lot of our belief systems that are so deep rooted and, you know, I mean, it's kind of heavy, but like childhood trauma and stuff like this, that it takes a lot to unpack the stuff to understand what our true, you know, intuition with things are and actually having true autonomy with all of these kind of things. Um, But it's basically taking charge. You know, um, like if we think about exercise, it's like not doing something because someone's told you to do it, but it's like, okay, does this actually make me feel good? What is my function in life? And everybody has a different function in life, right? Your function in life might be to um, do a body, body bodybuilding competition. Your function in life, you know, at the time, your function in life might be to look after your two children. Your function in life might be to nail this job that you've just started you know like these are constantly changing right and so it's also about what we're deciding to do for all of these things exercise nutrition you know all of these things how they are helping us with our function in life and also how that is contributing to our our definition of health and that is autonomy love it love it i've been doing some work around intentionalism Mm -hmm. being more intentional um, and it definitely that resonates with me when I when I hear any of those words. I think it's um I don't know where it happened or how it happened, but it happened where people there's two kind of people that walk into a gym, for example. There's the ones that are there solely for themselves and all about themselves. That would be the extreme. And then you got the the rest of the world who <laughs> drop in from time to time and leave again and drop in. For, and then you got the ones that just never make it. So there's probably three. There's three kinds of people. And I guess, I don't know what happened, but I was always of the opinion that this the gym space specifically, if I'm thinking about a gym, was a place to get healthy. And that's all it was. It was never anything else. For, and, and, and it was the mecca of health for me. 
and I don't know how people kind of lost that, but it's now become like it's a real scary space for elitists and elitism. And it's, uh, it's kind of disappointing as a bit of a, bit of a side note to that, but um, it, it guts me. It guts me that people can't get, uh, and it starts with things like agency and autonomy around food, around exercise, around your life. Um, so yeah, disappointing, but I think the, the solution is there. Well, I think that, you know, what you said at the beginning there is like intention. I mean, this is everything. When you when you are very clear on what your intentions are for something, that that is what leads to having autonomy over your life, you know, and your body. And this is something that I talk about all the time. It's one of my like key sort of pillars with with like program design is like understanding like why you're doing what you're doing and you know my clients they all know exactly why they're doing what they're doing so that they have more buy-in and that they are more invested in their own journey but this all also goes like intention setting like um you know if we think about a diet like what is your intention with that you know a lot of women that are going on diets and they're saying it's to be healthy when really their intention is to lose weight because of the thin ideal and what society is telling them to do. And so this is where things get really, really mucky and messy is that um, actions are not actually aligning or, you know, intentions are kind of going in the wrong direction. And so that is where people are getting sort of out of alignment. And if we go with like a, a gym setting, I mean, something I encourage all of my clients to do is every single session they go into in the gym to set an intention and this may you know as you know for, for us with this background and experience in program design and um, training and stuff like that we can get very very like you said tactical with it you know it's like sets and reps and volume and whatever but this is where people get messed up as well like in a gym setting is that if we are only looking at um, progressive overload as reps and sets, we're missing so much more, which is more of this like health-based model for results rather than being so results orientated. And this health-based model allows us to have more intentions, allows us to set different intentions for what progress looks like instead of it just being getting stronger, getting fitter, getting faster. And for some people, you know, like what you're talking about, like different people coming into the gym, the people that don't stay or the people that come in sort of, you know, um, randomly, it's because they, the intention is misaligned. And so now we can open up intentions to something different. Like my intention for this session is to actually just make it through the door. No matter what happens after that, if I have a terrible time, if I regress, if I feel like I've regressed, if I don't get stronger, if I don't get fitter, doesn't matter. I have won and that is success that I've just walked through the door. And so I think that this is something that needs to be opened up and talked about more to make all of this more accessible for people that it doesn't have success doesn't, isn't a look, you know, fitness isn't a look and fitness isn't just getting stronger and fitness isn't just kind of, you know, this, it's like, it can look very, very different for what what is going on for you right now and what your function in life is. It's like someone who hasn't slept properly, you know, they've mm. had like three hours sleep. The intention to go into the gym, it's like, okay, I'm still going to go and work out. But obviously you're probably not going to be performing that well because you had three hours sleep, right? And so 
but you still maybe want to kind of move because that feels good for you. So the intention could be to just walk out feeling hopefully a little bit more energized than you did when you walked in. And so if that was true, if that became true, it's like, amazing. I won. I won today. Yeah. That, that, that sounds very similar to like James Clear's work. You're familiar with him with the habit. Yeah. Thing. It, it, almost identical, you know, like it's, it's a perfect um, summation of, of how to get people uh, through the, what, what is the goal, right? And then micro goal or micro chunk that thing down. So good. But, so good. But I, but I even think with that, you know, like goals get really, I think that goals, instead of being um, setting goals, we need to go back a step and be like, first setting our values, you know, truly understanding like what our values are and what our core desire desired feelings are you know it's like how do I actually want to feel each day and when we're very very clear on those core desired feelings and those which come under like values right then we can set goals from there because then our goals are always going to be changing and it allows flexibility with that right I mean success is when we are able to adapt and we're flexible with our mind (laughs) so that we can allow our goals to kind of shift with what is going on in our life and so our North Star and our the way that we actually um, decide what our actions are going to be and our goals, therefore, have to come back from this like place of what are my core desired feelings and my values because that is the North Star. And then all of that other stuff, like the superficial, well, I say superficial, you know, goals are important, but goals and actions, they come from that place. And that means that we're always going to be coming back to ourselves and staying aligned with ourselves and what is true to us. Yeah, that you, you man, you just quoted two people in one go. You just gave me oh, some, really? You gave me Simon Sinek and Charles Darwin in the same conversation. <laughs> so for people aren't familiar, Simon talks about your why, which is very yeah. close to your values. And one of the mis- most misquoted people on the planet is actually Charles Darwin. He didn't say only the strong survive. That's not what he said, which is what people quote him as saying. What he said was, it's not the strongest or the most intelligent. It's the one that's most adaptable that will survive the longest. Mm. He talked about flexibility. So mental flexibility, physical flexibility, and you're right, goals will move and change your life. As you move through life, your goals change. You know what? I was trying to be a CrossFit rock star when I was 20 to 30, and I'm telling you now from 40 to 50, I'm not interested in that at all. Yeah, but I still want to train five, six days a week, but I just don't blast like I, like I used to. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's the thing, like with, I mean, if we're talking very simply in like the gym space, like going back to what you're saying, like people that are like go hard and then people that are kind of like in and out and people that just don't stick to it. It's because the fitness industry has done itself a massive, a massive disservice. They have, the, the, the industry has shot itself in the foot by only, only giving space for what goals can be to trainees as get fitter, lose weight, get stronger, like these very, very vanilla kind of things. When if we're having these conversations about, okay, well, what is actually your function in life and what are your values? Then the goals come from that. But this is where people get tripped up and the conversation just has to go deeper when it comes to this stuff. So let's go a little bit deeper. So I'm a client, let's go scenario. I'm a client come to you okay and you know i'm a traditional female client man livy i want to lose weight uh you know i put on 40 i've had two kids three kids and i i'm stuck 
when you go to set those intentions, like what would, what's your kind of strategy? What's your program tips, your, your techniques? Oh my gosh. Well, it's having conversation. I mean, the, th- the thing that most people want, especially in these kind of situations is to feel seen and heard, you know? And so I think um, that is like the first thing is to allow you to feel like you're being heard. Um, and so that is just asking questions and just listening and asking questions. Um, but it's really getting down to, you know, like what you said, what is your why? But going deeper than that, because a lot of people will say, okay, I want to lose weight. And then it's like, okay, why? And it's like, oh, because, you know, it's this usual kind of thing. It's like, oh, I want to be able to run around with my kids. And it's like, that's not enough, right? Like, it's like, oh, that is still... That all the time, eh? Like, yeah. Oh, one. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, that's a really deep reason, right? But it's like, no, that's not. And often what it is, like you coming in 40 years old, put on weight, got two kids, like just feeling, you know, it's like, oh, I want to get fitter. It's like, no, no, no. It's probably that her husband said something to her, which is making her feel really, really bad in her body. She feels like she's not good enough. And whenever we want to make these sort of changes like this, generally it is some form of not good enough or worthiness. And so it's truly like getting down to that and understanding like what that actually is for her that is manifesting in this way and how she feels about her body. Yeah, the five whys of coaching was a technique I used to use a lot. And, and it's exactly as you just described it. Except I guess you're trying to get to So it, it, let's say that person, you go through that, that process, you get to the, the depth of understanding that you wanted to. You, you've now got some sort of clarity, but it's quite a negative space. Uh, and I've just had a realization that, you know, when they were eight years old, being picked on in the playground was a real issue for them and they didn't want to go to school. And so now there's this real kind of like, oh shit, I've just opened up this thing how what is the next step to kind of push people through that you know get them back to a positive frame of mind where okay we can use this or we need to resolve this um what do you kind of do yeah well I think as coaches um we have to be very very clear on you know where our boundaries are and where you know it what we are capable of doing and always refer out. So I will always refer my clients <laughs> to therapists. <laughs> um, you know, I can be there, but, um, you know, understanding our scope of practice is really, really important. Um, but with that, I mean, that is really deep stuff. So it's it's very much about, okay, we're going to do this like practical stuff to, you know, in terms of like program design and um, looking at lifestyle factors and stuff like that. But let's also just keep having conversations about this. Um, and it's not, and this is this is where, I mean, 12-week challenges, 30-day challenges, like those things don't stick. And this is why people get to the end of those things and they're like, okay, well, what now? Because they, there's, there hasn't been enough of an actual change in their actual life. And so these things take time, you know, and even though those things might be uncovered, it takes months to actually kind of, come back to these things and work through these things. I do a lot of um, like journal, like journal prompts um, with clients and, and sort of talking about these things. Um, And also in my group, I do a lot of uh, like education and like teaching around mindset and like body image and all of these kind of things as well. So just lots of resources and things. Best quote I heard lately, uh, I'd love to give the guy a prop. He's an American, American, I think it might have been the keto guy. Your body image 
is not your self-image. And yeah. I was like, whoa. <laughs> Yeah, and it's so true. It's so yeah. true. Our body image gets tied up in our self image and our self confidence, and yeah, absolutely. And and also, you know, people are looking to exercise and food as a solution, but it's like how you feel about your body is not has nothing. To, it's not about the food. It's not about the exercise. It's what's going on in your brain, and it's managing your thoughts, and it's having a um, like a yeah, just managing your thoughts and everything that's going on there. It's got nothing to do with the food. It's got nothing to do with the exercise. Yeah. So what would be, if you're uh, helping someone to get, I don't know, to a better, uh, to take on a new challenge, let's say this, we, you don't like 12-week challenges, but just say a life challenge. What are some of the strategies or tactics you use to get people to, uh, you don't like using goals either. What is, what is your turn? What's your fit? Oh, no, no, no. Like definitely having goals. You know, goals are really important. Like if I have a, a lot of the women that I work with are very much like A-type personality people, very goal-driven. Um, and they like to get after it in all aspects of their life. But they often have a lot of what's going on in their mind, the way that they're managing stress and, um, you know, stuff like that is actually the stuff that's limiting them. So we still do that stuff because as you know, when working with people, it's about giving them what they want and what they need as well, right? And so a lot of what we do with giving them what they need is very much when they don't even realize that we're doing that stuff, right? So, um, and that is where a lot of that kind of mindset stuff, you know, comes in, that it's just kind of asking questions and not doing it all at once, you know? It's like in their weekly check-ins, you know, the kind of questions that I'll ask and always coming back to these things that we're kind of uncovering and being like, you know, how is this going for you? So you're using like reflection. So just running reflections on their, on their past week, making them, I guess that makes them accountable. It also makes them, uh, it gives them a sense of achievement. Yeah. So yeah. providing positive feedback loops all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And I, that's a really important piece. And especially with doing online coaching, you know, there has to be that, um, there has to be like the check-ins and stuff like that because, and that's for that relationship as well. So yeah, absolutely. It's a really important piece. So moving, so that's really interesting because you went from a floor-based coach, uh, like a, a tactile-based coach and a very good one, I might add, and you shifted to digital so now you're more of a tactician slash programmer. Is this your kind of skill set now? So I love, I'm a bit of a nerd with programming. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I love talking training. Like there is nothing more than I love that is just like talking training. Like I love it. I love programming. Um, but um, I don't think, so with my clients now, like I write their training programs Um but we also talk about nutrition. We also talk about lifestyle and stuff like that. But um, I don't think that I, I wholeheartedly believe that you cannot be a good online coach if you haven't had time on the floor. And I think that what we're seeing is that so many people now, especially with COVID like last year, um, you know, so many people going into the fitness industry and have never had time working with people, working with different personalities, working with different body types, people that are chasing different goals and stuff are going online. And that is such a disservice to people that are like paying for that service, you know, um, to be able to actually give like feedback from like video feedback and stuff like that. You have to 
be able to understand movement and understand bodies. And so, you know, that time on the floor um, for me was just crucial for me to actually be able to be a good online coach. And I, I think that that is, that is so true. And it's not just bodies, but it's like personality types and stuff as well, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, you said something interesting there. You talked about biomechanics briefly. So my big thing when I was a coach was I was all about feel. I was like, mm. can you feel this? And, and I, was, I would just spend my whole time trying to get you to feel your glutes or your lower abs or uh, position your head correctly in a handstand, whatever I was teaching. It was always about feel for me. I was a real feel-based coach. How do you do that as a digital coach? Yeah. So um, I a couple of different ways. And I think that this also goes back to that the individual, like how do they learn and what is, how, how do they like to be coached as well? So something that I get all of my clients to do is, I don't know if you know, um, you probably do Gretchen Rubin. Um, she does the four tendencies. So it's a really quick little quiz, but I get all of my clients to do that um, when they start with me so that I kind of understand how they like to be coached. Like, are they a questioner or are they an upholder? Like, are they going to do things that I tell them to do, even if they don't want to? Um, are they, you know, that just kind of, or, or are they a rebel where they're just like, I tell them to do something and they won't do it. So yeah. I have to allow them to figure it out themselves. Right. Yeah. Um, and they are like the hardest people to work with, but, yep. um, <laughs> but in terms of, you know, getting people to understand movement better. So a lot of the people that I do work with have had experience training. So they're not newbies because I think that when people are, new to exercise, always go with an in-person trainer because you have to understand like how to move and you have to understand what that feels like, exactly like what you're saying. Otherwise it's a, it's a lot harder. And I think it's a, a more frustrating process. And so with the, the people that I do work with though, there, there are a couple of different ways. Like often I will uh, like show them a picture of the muscle and I'll be will sort of work together to be like, can you actually feel this? Like if you do this, like giving them different cues, um, like if they can't feel their, their lats, then I'll kind of get them to do something and be like, can you feel that now? And they're like, ah, yeah. So it kind of works many different ways with what is, what is going up, going on. But again, it's like having that in-person experience that is just so crucial um, to be able to actually express that um, with not being able to do it with your hands, you know? Are you, how long are you programming for now these days? Are you like setting up whole year plans? Like what, what's the length? Of, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. annual. So programming takes up a lot of my time. So um, I do have my group program. Um, and so that is actually a, a year long program. Um, and it's just set out in like as a big like macro cycle. Um, but my one-on-one programming um, yes, there is a long-term plan, but that has to be very, very flexible because people, I mean, things happen, right? Like life happens, holidays happen, whatever. And so um, there's always a long-term plan and how those like mesocycles, microcycles are fitting in, uh, uh, microcycles are fitting into the bigger plan. Um, but we also have to be flexible with that. 
Yeah, let's talk about microcycles, macrocycles, and mesos because people won't, won't know that language, right? So basically, it's a small, a medium, or a large cycle. So we're looking at the calendar year, we're looking at chunks of three months, or we're looking at daily workouts. That's a very, very important philosophy that not many people know. So I, I still know people have been going to the gym for 20 years who don't know how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and and, they, and they, this is going to lead to burnout, the burnout conversation. So why do you do that? And what positive outcomes have you seen from doing that? Yeah, honestly, it is incredible that there are so many, like there are so many trainers out there that don't know how to program. <laughs> And I know that that's a really big thing to say. Um, And that's not a criticism of individuals, of trainers. That's of the system of learning, I think. Um, But also the, um, that the reminder that you need to keep um, developing, you know, your, your professional development, like keep upskilling, like a personal training certification is not enough really. Um, And so it is amazing that, There are so many people that are winging it, but in-person training, I do think is a little bit different to online training. Online training is more, I mean, people will probably be doing more sessions a week as opposed to someone that's doing like one session a week if they come to see you in the gym or two sessions. Um, And so it's a lot easier to actually program for like that. With in-person training, there has to be a plan. There has to be a plan in order for people to actually see progress and retention, right? I mean, people need to see progress, but we can't just wing it all the time. It has to be part of something. But personal trainers on the floor also have to, coming back to that flexibility, they have to be flexible because clients are never going to be coming in feeling 100%. And if you've got this plan, it's like, okay, we're doing a back squat at like, you know, 85% and this and this and this and this. And they're like, holy smokes, I slept three hours last night. The kids were driving me wild. And if a personal trainer isn't able to be flexible with their plan and manage someone's physiological load, then that's that's not going to be helpful at all. So we do need to have a plan, but we need to be fluid within that so that we're actually being client-centric and taking that health-based approach rather than being coach-centric. <laughs> I'll be honest, when I started, I was 22. Oh, me too, me too. I know I, you're going to say, me too. I, yeah, I come out of the <laughs> army and I thought, man, the fitness issue is so cool. I'm going to be so good at that. <laughs> I'm, and it was all I, me, my, and then I learned very, very quickly. Fortunately, I was adaptable thanks to my time in the army that it wasn't about me. It was about yeah. yeah. See, so here's the thing as well. It's lazy coaching. It's lazy training for personal trainers that are, okay, if I'm going to make this person, as long as I'm making them sweat, as long as I'm making them breathe hard, as long as I'm making them like feel like it's hard, then I'm good. Like I'm doing my job. Right. And that is lazy, lazy coaching. (laughs) And that is not taking a client centric approach. And, but again, like going back to the fitness industry, doing itself a disservice, that is exactly it as well, because we have taught people to expect that. And so if I had clients coming in and I know that they're stressed out and I'm like, you know what, we're going to start with some breathing. And then we're going to go into some like mobility work, some activation work. Then we're going to go into, you know, whatever. And they're like, no way. I'm not, I'm paying for this time. I want to work hard. I'm, I'm paying to sweat, you know? And that's where it's like, oh my gosh. Okay. So 
um, oh, okay, we'll just do that because that's easier, right? I mean, that's the easier thing to do. And so that is the prob- problem with, you know, personal training when it's like, if I'm not making them work really hard, then they're going to think I'm a bad trainer. It's like, no, we need to change this. We need to change this conversation. This podcast is brought to you by No Ugly Sleep, New Zealand's first scientifically developed sleep tonic. This product is literally armed to the teeth with the highest quality sleep precursors that were formulated to improve your body's natural sleep performance without the sedation. So you can sail off to dreamland and enjoy a great night's sleep. For our listeners, if you shoot across to our sleep loop shop and enter the code NOUGLY, you'll get a sweet ass 10% discount off a full month supply of No Ugly Sleep. And so that's a great segue, my friend, into recovery. Um, and so my big passion right now is actually sleep and this idea. You talked about physiological load. I want to talk to you about that. So with that in mind, bearing that now life, I feel like life's changed quite a bit, especially in the last 20 years. I feel like our time pressure has, is a, we used to have a rule uh, when I first started as a PT is never take time as an excuse, time or money because those were the big excuses. And so the antidote to that was to question whether or not they were spending 20 bucks on a pack of cigarettes or on a bottle of wine. And and then you could always kind of navigate (laughs) around those excuses. Uh, That's not the case anymore, man. People are legitimately stressed out. We've got like COVID happening right now and the world seems like it's on fire. And so with that in mind, how do you deal with stress? How do you deal with helping people recover better so that they can be the best versions of themselves? Yeah. You know, what you're saying about time and money, time and money is an exchange of energy, right? I mean, that's, that's all it is. And when it's like, I don't have enough time, I don't have enough time. It's like, that is just a really, um, it's kind of like just doing yourself a disservice because that, that is your energy exchange. I know it sounds a little bit woo, but it's like, where are you, where are you not, um, where are you not, where are you giving away like your self-worth for everything and every everybody else when you can give back to yourself by just finding a little bit of space, a little bit of time. Same with money, right? It's like with coaching, I mean, that is a, is a monetary exchange, but it's an energy exchange. It's like when you pay for coaching, you're investing in yourself. Like that is you giving back to yourself. That is you up leveling. And that is you putting yourself on the hook to do great things and become a better person, you know? So I think that that is just thinking of um, money and time as like this energy exchange is interesting. And it's like, if we look at where are you spending your time and where are you spending your money? That is a, a really important thing to actually audit your life because they are the two things, that energy exchange. So it's like, if you feel like your life is not what it is, then looking at those two things, auditing those two things is going to tell you where you're seeping energy where you maybe shouldn't be. So, you know, just on that, I think that that's an important thing. Um, Yeah. So I, (laughs) managing stress, oh my goodness. um, It is just so big. So yes, I've sort of mentioned that word a couple of times, physiological load, and maybe that might not be so familiar for people. Um, But basically what that is, is that, um, what is going on outside of the gym, basically? So it's like your sleep, your stress, relationships, your minds, like how you think about yourself, um, you know, all of this stuff that could be contributing to your ability to get 
like a positive adaptation from a stimulus, right? Like from exercise. Um, and so if we think about something else I've also mentioned is like this health-based model. So when we think about getting results with, with anything, um, well, with exercise, let's say, we would think that exercise is the most important thing that we need to focus on, right? Because that's the thing that we're trying to get results with. But if we're thinking about this like a pyramid, at the bottom is like your mental health, your mental and emotional well-being. Above that is um, kind of like stress, sleep, right? Managing those two things. Above that is nutrition. And the top, the smallest piece is actually training. And so this is where things are getting really, really messed up because the bottom piece, like your emotional um, and your mental well-being and, and stress comes into that, that will dictate your results going up from there. So this is where, when we're thinking about like exercise prescription, we have to be looking at what is going on with all of those other pieces in order to actually get the most out of the effort that we're putting in. So we can still get results, right? I mean, we can still get results if we're not um, managing those other things, but it might not, it might be that we, we're cutting ourselves short. Like where are we leaving stuff on the table for what we could be really truly capable of? And so what you're saying about managing stress, I mean, that is a really, really big piece of it is that so much of the things that we're putting into our life, we're putting so much effort into things, but we are exhausted and we are not sleeping and we are relying on caffeine um, and we are you know, not managing our mind. And so we're not actually able to express as much of our potential as we, as we actually can. And so, yeah, managing stress is a really hard thing. Um, and there are a lot of the things that I encourage my clients to do are things like journaling, are things like, you know, meditating and stuff like that, but not everybody can do that, you know? And some people truly have their back against a wall where it's like, no, actually like my to-do list today is crazy. And I, I don't know what to do. So it's about creating space any way you can. So if it's like on your commute to work at a red light, can you just use that? Like every red light, you just do some deep breathing. You know, breathing is one of the things that is so, it's so available to us, but we don't talk about enough and we don't practice it enough. And it is the foundation for everything. Um, and so little things like that, just to help people create space but also what comes into that is like, what is the meaning that you're attaching to busyness and stress? And mm. I know that this is something for me that I have um, really had to work on, you know, um, and a lot of my clients as well. It's like, I'm so busy. I have to be busy. But why? Like, what is the meaning that you're attaching to that? Like your self-worth that if you're not busy, if you're not um, doing something all the time, then you're not being productive. So you're not good enough. And why is it that we don't feel that we deserve to have rest, you know? Um, and actually with all of the stuff that you look at with cognition, you know, as we know, we can only be operating from like our truest self when we have rest. Like we can't, um, and that's like mentally and physically. Like if you're going into the gym and you're trying to do a three rep max, like, and you are stressed out, your boss has been yelling at you all day, the kids have been like crazy, you're not going to be performing as well as you could. And that goes for mentally as well, you know? Beautifully said, my friend. That was, uh, I think you nailed it, nailed it. So space, 
number one, breathing, 100%. Like oh, playing, my gosh. Playing with mindfulness, playing with meditation, I have definitely noticed a, a bit of a shift in my ability to switch to that parasympathetic state to get into that rest and digest it, which I was never very good at. I'm still not great at it, but I'm better. And that alone helps me to create that space. Because once you see that, you know, your identity, you're talking about like identity stuff around busyness. I know so many entrepreneurs and people like that who just think they're the busiest people on the planet. And I just, I know, honestly, I just, sure. You just go, okay, whatever. If I'm coaching them, it's a different story. But if I, okay, whatever, you're the busiest person on the planet, sure. And it's just not true. It's really, really not true. But that's yeah. what I've attached meaning to, right? And you, I think you hit the nail on the head pretty pretty well there. The other thing I'd add to that is, and you talked about um, exercise slightly, is not being scared to dial down, dial up. So when it's appropriate to dial up, when you're in lots of space and you feel like, or you've created space and you want to dial up, go for it. Because I think we get we do get in this habit, and you talked about the you know the two time a week trainer, the classic two time a week trainer. See someone twice a week; it's the only two training sessions they do a week, where we just operate at sixty six point three percent. You know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Exactly. And so, yep. And so it's and you do it for five years, for ten years, and you keep getting fatter, and you keep getting more depressed, and nothing changes because if nothing yep. changes, nothing changes. Yeah. And so that's where the macro cycles and the, and the mesos and that kind of stuff comes into play but first and foremost yeah create that space de- but, but it's recover. yeah yeah absolutely and this is the thing and this comes into this recovery piece that when we're thinking about exercise and like workouts and training and stuff we have to modulate intensities over the week because that gives us the ability to actually recover to then come in and do like high sessions or high intensity sessions or hard sessions really really well get good adaptation um, from that recover and then maybe the next day it's like a lower day or maybe just a more of an aerobic day um, and then we're modulating but this is a thing is that now I mean I love CrossFit I love CrossFit and CrossFit has done a lot for me and I I mean I love it but I also don't love it because of this but it's not just crossfit like f45 you know all of these high intensity um you know workouts and stuff like that because people are operating in this like high intensity and it's aerobic because this is not hit you know people that are like i'm doing hit it's like mate you're doing hit if you're doing intervals and you have to rest for like three to 15 times that work you know um so people are really kind of confused with this stuff but Operating at that high intensity, you know, place all the time, you're not giving yourself the, the time to, to recover. And so, like you said, you, your, your potential, what you're expressing is like 60, 70% all the time. And so that's when we're putting in a lot of effort and we're getting little return and we're like, man, I'm working so hard. I'm not getting stronger. I feel like I'm not really getting fitter. I'm just doing this thing. And so we have to modulate intensity with training protocols, but also modulate our intensity with what is going on in our life. And so Mm. this, and this all comes down to energy management, right? And it's something that I work a lot with my clients. And um, so this comes to like female phase training, like um, understanding women, their unique cycle and everybody's different. Um, But managing the energy from that in the gym and in life. And so if life has been really busy and 
the gym needs to reflect that, you know, your exercise needs to reflect that because we have to remember that exercise is um, a stressor on the body. And if we've got a lot of stress going on outside, then the stress that we put on our body inside the gym needs to be dialed down so that we can recover, right? It's just this like continual circle. But what happens is people that are really stressed, your people that come in, they're like, I'm the busiest person in the world. They want to exercise hard because it's their stress reliever, right? And mm. that is the problem is that they're creating more and more stress. And if that is the thing, you know, as adults, we all have pacifiers, right? Whether it's like exercise or alcohol or smoking, you know, whatever. But if ex exercise is a pacifier for people that are super stressed, then what happens if they get injured? Or what happens if they can't train or work out or whatever, then they're left with themselves. And that is a really scary thing. And so that is when, again, like we need to change that conversation around what is the intention, right? Going back to what is the intention for exercise and how are you actually using this in your life? And then that can start to play into how we manage our energy with all of this and developing like a, a better relationship with exercise. That it's not just about changing your body and and performance and stress relief, but it's like, how is this actually helping my function in life? Yeah. <laughs> that was long. I'm sorry. No, no, it's good. Good little wrap around that. I see what you did there. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's kind of get towards what you had to go through yourself. Cause I know you've gone through uh, a whole lot of changes. You've been vo vo vocal about it. Thank you for sharing. It's a very interesting, it's a very important topic because uh, infertility, uh, menstrual cycles loss of menstrual cycles i've seen this so many times in the fitness industry with female trainers uh you mentioned i don't want to bastardize crossfit but anything in that space like you talked about you know it, it, training in general it, it, almost like training addiction where you're trying to fit a mold and become a, a figure from a picture then the wheels fall off and it, it doesn't happen overnight but it, man i've seen it happen so many times um Let's talk about that. Talk, tell us about your journey. Yeah, so I um, have just re recovered from a thing called hypothalamic amenorrhea. And so that is um, when you are missing a period. Um, and there's two types of amenorrhea. Um, and one is where you actually don't get a period. And that's kind of more of a medical thing. But for me, it's functional um, amenorrhea. So this is usually coming from uh, too much stress. And so remember what I said before, like exercise is a stressor. Um, stress is stress, right? You know this, that um, we we want acute stress. I mean, that's really important. But when we've got this like heightened, like chronic stress, that is for all of us, that is just not helpful at all. And when uh, there is too much stress for women, the reproductive system is the thing that will shut down first because the body is like, okay, what do I need to survive? I don't need to make a baby to survive. And so it'll shut down. And so th this is to do with the HPA axis, um, your hypothalamus, pituitary gland and adrenals. And so the common cause of hypothalamic amenorrhea is usually um, undernourished. So low energy availability. This is true for men as well, like very much. Um, and too much stress, like physically and mentally. And so for me, it was years and years and years of being too lean um, and a loss of a menstrual cycle or irregular, you don't have to be lean. Like a lot of people think, oh, that's just for athletes, but it's, it's certainly not. It's like gen pop women that 
are in a healthy like body fat range this can still happen for them as well um and so for me it was so many years of just overtraining under eating um overstress like overworking um you know personal training up at four o'clock in the morning not getting home till nine o'clock at night and having to do it again and training you know two to three hours on top of that like it was just intense um so you know what I said before about people wanting to feel seen and heard um and so about 10 years ago because I actually haven't had a, a menstrual cycle for over 10 years um and when I went to see an endocrinologist about this 10 years ago she she told me that she talked about fertility and at the time fertility wasn't on my radar right I was competing in bodybuilding I was like I was like, this is, this is not helpful for me. And she gave that to me as my only option. She told me that you have to quit your job. You have to get a new career. You have to stop training. You have to change your whole life. And so for me, I felt completely unheard, right? And so I was like, well, if that is my only solution, then of course I'm not going to do that. So I'm going to put my head in the sand and I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And so I did. And I really dug myself quite a hole um, and about maybe about six, uh, six or five years ago, I really started looking into this stuff more. Um, and it was because I was starting to kind of move into more female specific, um, like work, um, and also just understanding my own stuff. And I kind of reached a milestone with, um, I wanted to be the fittest in Taiwan, um, one year of the CrossFit open. I did that and I was like, okay, cool. Now it's time for me to just stop and like work this stuff out. And honestly, it's been about a four-year journey um, of this. And it's been a lot of pulling back with training, um, gaining weight. Um, but most of it has been about my mind. Like, again, like going back to this self-worth story um, and this box that I was trying to fit into of I didn't think that I would be a worthy coach or trainer if I didn't look like this. Um, I didn't think that I would be a good athlete if I didn't look like this. Um, and so, so much of, of it was kind of um, in that. And so I had to really unpack a lot of that, like my own relationship with exercise, my own um, sort of worth in the industry and, and what I do as a coach um, and understanding that that's got nothing to do with my body. Um, and then the last year really has been very much about pulling back with training um, and gaining weight. Uh, so eating a lot more food. Um, and the last four months I've had to stop training completely. Um, and that's been really, really, really difficult because movement for me is truly my lifeblood. You know, I I'm obsessed. Like I love, I love it. And so, but what I've realized is that by not doing it, and still, I had this very, very strong desire to, to work out. But now it is completely unattached to anything that's to do with my body, to anything to do with anything else that it used to. It mm. is coming from a, a very, very pure place of love um, and how, how much I, I truly love it. It's got nothing to do with that stuff. And so that has been something that's been amazing is to come out after all of this because I was scared. I was scared that, oh my gosh, maybe I train like this because of, of all of those fears. When I've come out the other side and I now am so sure that, no, it's actually because I love it so much. And that's why I love training. That's why I do what I do, you know, um, as an individual, not as a coach. And so that has been a really beautiful thing. 
um, to, to kind of realize. So now where I am with that journey is um, I am still, still healing. And so I'm still just taking it very, very easy. Um, and yeah, it's, it's definitely a journey still every day, um, you know, dealing with like my body being very different um, and, you know, catching myself being like, I don't have to justify this to anyone. You know, this is just kind of what's going on. But again, this comes back to this idea of like what the fitness industry is telling us, right? Be thin, move more, eat less. When health is very, very different and we have to come back to that, like right back from what we said at the beginning, you know, autonomy, you know, health is very different. Health looks different on different people. For me, health right now is gaining weight, eating more, moving less, eating less vegetables, right? For, for another person, it's eating more vegetables. It's probably moving more. Um, and so this is a really, really important distinction. And this is something that I'm talking about a lot is that health is not a look, you know, and we need to keep, we need to keep having these conversations because it's not just about someone who, who looks fit. I mean, what is that? Right, there was some, one of the things I heard in there that I really, really like is the idea of um, expression. So you talked about movement, loving movement again. And I, I remember now talking about, and this is why I was a field coach, because movement for me was always about expressing myself. Oh my gosh, I, yes. I was from, I grew up in South Auckland. I had a very funny slang to my, my and I, <laughs> as a white kid, it was very interesting. And so I didn't talk a lot when I was young. So, but I moved a lot. I, everything was about movement. It was about sport. And so movement for me was about expression. And I think if you can remember that, if you can get back to what movement really is about, that'll help you that'll help you move forward with your exercise so much further than reps and sets and gyms and everything else because that's what it's really about it's about expressing yourself before you can talk you walk you move yeah absolutely and I love that you said that because that's honestly how I feel about um like like program design as well like for me is truly like an art and I know that sounds really weird but I truly see it like that it's like this beautiful like for me artistic expression and movement is like that as well and and that's where you know I've been like exploring different things as well you know I used to always be like oh I don't have time for yoga or no no no, I wouldn't say that I'd say um I'm just not a yoga person I'm not a yogi when really the truth was for me I was like that's not hard enough so Mm. I need to be like, like what we've been talking about, right? Like I need to be breathing, like sweating hard. I might as well be doing burpees, not yoga. Like how is that helping me? Right. And so again, it comes down to that being very, very clear with your intention and, you know, where, where are you aligned or misaligned with what you actually want in your life and how you want to feel? Well, you've only got one body, right? So you might as well learn to master it. It's the only tool you get given in the world for free. Um, Yeah. Absolutely. And, but you know what, as well, like just on that stuff, like missing um, cycles and irregular cycles. I mean, there are so many reasons for why that can be, but for so many women, this is something that's not talked about. And like Mm. you said, um, you know, especially people in the fitness industry who are talking about health and they're talking about like, you know, healthy habits and all of this stuff. When so many women who, who are in the industry are battling with this and, Again, this is like the smoke and mirrors of the fitness industry that we have to be very, very, you know, mindful of and dig into. But also gen pop, like women who are just kind of like training hard, they do it as a hobby, they they work full time, but they they like to work out and they are missing a period. And sometimes that can be from 
you know, I'm working, that must mean I'm working really hard or people just aren't talking about it. People are not talking about it. And that's why we have to shine light on this stuff because for women, a functioning menstrual cycle is the fifth vital sign of health. And if, if that is a red light, if things are not going on, um, if things are not sort of working properly with that. And so, um, yeah, we need to be having these conversations and, you know, as coaches and trainers, like, even though it might be uncomfortable, you have to get uncomfortable and be asking people about this stuff. Okay. So steps, what are my steps? I'm, I'm a young woman and I'm experiencing this feeling pressured. What were the steps you took? So you, you unpacked it mentally, you dialed back your, your exercise how did you know that you needed less vegetable? I know why, but how did you know for everyone else? How did you know you needed less vegetables versus someone else that need more vegetables? Uh, well, so um, the fiber, like too much fiber can actually inhibit estrogen production. And so um, when you are missing a period, that's to do with your progesterone and your estrogen, um, like you flatlining. Had, you had a blood, blood, blood panel done. Get a blood panel done. Yeah. So if you don't have a period, it's actually really hard to get blood work done because we want to be getting it like at the beginning of your cycle um, mm -hmm. so that it's the same. So it's really kind of hard to get that done, but there's other things that you can kind of look at, but I mean, the solution for actually regaining your period. Um, I mean, there are many reasons, like maybe you've come off the pill um, and remember that if you are on the pill, that bleed is not actually a proper bleed. Um, that's like a chemical bleed, right? A, a mm -hmm. hormonal bleed. So that's a really important thing to understand with people. But, but, mate, I'm so surprised that women don't know that um, the oh, pills are sterile. I know. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. And, and when you're having that bleed, like it's not actually your body, like it's, yeah. it's not true. So um, yeah, so, I mean, that can be a cause for women not getting their period. Um, but if it is from perhaps in, like too much stress, oh, then the solution is actually very, very simple. It's making sure that you're eating enough, um, managing your stress and probably taking down exercise. And those are the three, three hardest things because usually with women who have lost their period because of this, they probably are exercising really hard because they want to change their body. They're probably restricting food because they want to change their body. And they're probably stressed out because of like everything that's going on. And so to actually do the opposite of that is really, really hard. And so that's why um, getting support is like the most important thing. Um, so that is, you know, reaching out to um, a, a nutrition coach or um, someone else that's kind of versed in this stuff is really key. I know I work with a, quite a few women that have gone through this, um, but definitely getting this checked out, like going to a doctor and actually, you know, getting a diagnosis. But often what happens is with GPs, they put people on the pill as a way to remedy it, which is put, pretty much like putting a bandaid on it and not looking at the root problem of it. So that is something to be really aware of. Um, making sure that it's not PCOS, those things can be um, often misdiagnosed, um, hypothalamic amenorrhea and PCOS. So making sure you're not pregnant, obviously, you know, all of these things, like definitely going to a doctor, um, but do not go on the pill. It, you need to actually work through this and what is actually going on. So part of the healing process is to stay away from the steroids. Yeah. Um, yep, yep. There's other reasons why people go in the pool as well, but <laughs> well, I mean that's another conversation, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Um, yeah. 
if you're in this state and you want to recover, these are kind of your, your critical steps. And it's a, it's a really hard thing to go through as well, because a lot of people, when they talk about menstrual cycle, they think fertility, right? And if you're not in a place where you're thinking about fertility, mm. then you're like, Meh, it's actually really, really convenient. And that is where we have to just remember that this is a fifth vital sign of health. If you are exercising, you know, eating healthy, I do quotation marks here. If you're doing these things and you value health, and you don't have a functioning menstrual cycle, then again, like you're misaligned with what is true. And so that is where it's like, okay, what is my function in life? Like, what do I need to do right now to get me back to health? And if you're not getting paid to work out, then, you know, it's, it's like, what is really important here? Yep. All right. Grandstand finish, mate. You ready? <laughs> I'm ready. If you could go back and talk to 20 year old Liv, what would you say? <laughs> oh my gosh. What would you say to 20 year old Liv? Oh my goodness. Um, I would say, oh man, I would just say you're loved. Like you are, you, you don't have to prove anything to anyone and uh, that you are, you are good, like just as you are. And that's all you need to focus on. Beautiful. Do you think 20-year-old Liv would actually, actually listen? No way. <laughs> She'd be like, screw you. <laughs> Words of wisdom though, my friend. Um, and then just to wrap it up, what would be your top three things for living an abundant life, given what you've learned over your coaching career? Oh, my goodness. Um, movement, 100%. Um, so understanding the difference between intentional exercise and movement, right? So making sure you're getting that intentional exercise to be strong, um, you know, and be, you know, have a healthy heart and stuff like that, um, but also more movement. So that it's not about more exercise, but we generally need more movement, right? So just moving around more, that would be definitely one that helps with every aspect of your life and being strong, I mean, always wins. Um creating space like what we we've been talking about um and I think that that really comes down to your self-worth like you realizing that you're deserving of space and you're deserving of true rest that is not productive rest that is like truly rested and that's when you're going to be operating from your truest and your higher self um and the other thing would be I guess oh my goodness um Maybe connection. Oh, hey. Yeah. Connection. So being like conversation, connection, um, having people in your life that truly challenge you, that make you level up because otherwise we can stay very stagnant. And unless we have people um, that are actually questioning us and making us think about ourselves and questioning our belief systems and our thoughts, then we will stay stuck in the things that we believe to be true. And we need people to be constantly challenging ourselves so that we level up. Mate, that was, uh, you're the five people, uh, you're the product of the five people you spend the most time with. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a good note to leave it on, Matt. <laughs> thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. This has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you for having me on. Mate, we'll definitely do it again, eh? Yeah, absolutely. Thank <laughs> you.